And do Holly stand up to strong, strong winds? Well, we really hadn't had one of Category 5, but we had a storm, and we had campers at our, at our site. And I heard, you know, we heard the wind, whoosh, but we were living in a cement house with a pitch roof. So the next morning I go outside, our pitch and tall roof that thick blew off the house. I go, oh, my God. So I went and looked down at my holly. Six leaves blew off the holly, which were not tied. That's it? Six leaves. So very durable it is construction. Dur- it's, like, it's like a corner tree. It bends with the wind. Yeah. He lashes together holly, or traditional Hawaiian houses, that can withstand fierce winds. Francis Polani Sinensi, next on Long Story Short. One-on-one engaging conversations with some of Hawaii's most intriguing people. Long story short with Leslie Wilcox. Aloha my kako, I'm Leslie Wilcox. After retiring from the U.S. Air Force as a Chief Master Sergeant, Francis Palani Sinensi is now a chief of a different order. He has built over 300 hale, or traditional Native Hawaiian houses thatched with grass or leaves. Uncle Polani, as he's often called, is a master hale builder. He grew up in the isolated towns of Hana and Kipahulu, Maui, to a native Hawaiian mother and an immigrant Filipino father. I, was, I had a really fun life, because uh, I was born in Hana. The plantation was just uh, winding down, and, and cattle was being brought in. So I was in that transition stage. And um, so I just grew up fishing all the time, you know, right, we live right close to the ocean, right next to um, a boarding house with all mixed, I um, mean, ethnic uh, uh, workers from all over. We had Japanese, Portuguese, Filipinos, Hawaiians, and we lived in a, what a, a place called Old Camp. My dad uh, was, a, um, was from the Philippines. He was a work plantation worker. And he came to work plantation, and there he got sent to Hana? He almost went to jail because my, my mother was only 15 years old when they got my older brother. So. And your mom was from I, Hana? Yeah, my mom Hawaiian from, from Hana? Yeah. But lucky thing he didn't go to jail because I wouldn't have been here. Oh, because that was your older brother, no, right? Older brother. <laughs> got it. Yeah. How many uh, uh, siblings and, um, do you have? Um, it was altogether nine, and um, there were two two girls and um, seven boys, and I'm number two. And I lived with that number two syndrome for all my life, because my my older brother immediately got hunted by my tutu lady, so I was the oldest in the family, so I had to take care of all my siblings while my mom and dad went to work. Yeah. So nine. So does that mean you took care of feeding them during the day? Um, your, your after I got to be about like eight to ten years old, yeah, I started taking care of the younger ones. I was a really good um, spear fisherman, uh, O.P. Becker, and uh, we did a lot of kalua pig and all you know the regular stuff. So and, you uh, you f- you uh, gathered your food. Well, yeah, we were gathering. I was. We were on the lower part of the, the ahupua, I guess you call it, and we mostly. Uh, Ocean people, so some of the people from from uh, Kaupo or 
or can I? They'd go to Tara, and these guys would go the goats and whatever. So we'd trade, you know. You would, you would have the yeah, fish. We'd, we'd, we'd have fish, and then every week we'd get Tara. I, I didn't know where it came from, but they brought in Tara, and sometimes we'd have goat and we'd have beef. So it was kind of. I was on the border of uh, when Hawaiians just starting to start eating rice. So I was raised up eating rice. And taro, we, were, we pounded our own taro. Every week we had taro. So whatever you ate came from the land came and the, the sea? Land. Yeah. It was fun. I had a good childhood. And, um, but you, you ended up traveling all over the place. So, so you went from a very small and remote area, very isolated by, by geogra- geography. Yeah. What made you leave? Well, at, about my um, high school days, I, I uh, joined uh, the Civil Air Patrol. It was, a, it was a thing. It was a way to get off island free on the Air Force airplanes. So I joined the Civil Air Patrol, and we used to travel different islands. Was, and uh, got a taste of other than Hana or other than Maui. After graduating high school in the isolated town of Hana, Maui, Francis Palani Sinensi says he got itchy feet and wanted to see the world. So he enlisted in the Navy and left behind his rural life and worked on the flight deck of an aircraft carrier, the USS Hancock. I was an air crew survival equipment technician. In other words, I took care of the pilot's survival gear and his um, some of his environmental systems within the aircraft, like breathing, his uh, G-suits, his ensemble. Did you yeah. rake up his parachute? Oh, yeah. In fact, um, w- one of the pilots got shot over Vietnam, or South Vietnam, and he jumped out of the plane, not ejected, jumped out and used my parachute, and he came back to me one day and says, here's your crown royal. So if he, the person that packs the, the, the parachute that was used gets a bottle of crown royal. Now, that's a tradition. After traveling the world on an aircraft carrier, Francis Polanyi-Sinensi wanted to attend college. So after four years in the Navy, he returned home to Maui to enroll in school. That plan did not last long, as Sinensi says he got itchy feet once again and enlisted in the Air Force. Sinensi would spend the next 25 years in the Air Force, rising to the rank of Chief Master Sergeant. I knew what happened between the time you were in the Navy and the time you joined the Air Force. Met my wife. Yes. Yeah. I went to a party, and she looked 14 years old playing the piano. And I, 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 told, I asked my aunt, hey, who's that little girl playing the piano? She goes, that little girl is 19 years old. She's going to the University of Hawaii. Oh, that changed my whole. Oh, yeah, intelligent, too. I don't know if she's what. But anyway, <laughs> long story short, we've been married 51 years. And you, I, I know you call her your wife for life. Mm. And she says, I said, yeah, I asked her where she calls home because you've lived so many places. Yeah. And she said, wherever my husband is. Like I said, good answer. <laughs> That's a tough, it is a tough life. Uh, and she's in the reserves. She was in the West reserves, West. right? But, so how did that work? Uh, you, you, or jo- you then joined the Air Force. Luckily, we lived close to the base. And um, um, she went um, temporary duty sometimes off base to different other, uh, to other bases, but only for two weeks at a time. You know, the Air Force and, and, and the service is like one big family. 
They always take care of each other. Yeah. So there's no worries. During the time you're in the Air Force and then the, the first the Navy and then the Air Force, were you keeping Hawaiian traditions or how much a part of your life was Hawaii? Well, I, I actually, I, I, really, I kind of wanted to distance myself from home because I wanted to see the world. And I, and I goes, oh, man, the world is my oyster. You know, I, I really loved what I was doing and I was traveling a lot. And I, I goes, Hawaii is just a little town, you know, it's just, I grew up there. At the end of your service in the Air, uh, in the Air Force, in which you did very well, um, you were all set to retire on the mainland. Uh-huh. Where? South Carolina, Charleston. Why South Carolina? Because um, I had a home there, and my home was like Hawaii. I had banana trees. My, my, literally, my backyard was a Hawaiian garden. So. And you're okay living in, in Charleston, Charleston rather Carolina. than back home? Even yeah, though- my son was there, my wife was there, you know, so... Yeah, I, and all my friends are there, uh, close to the golf course. I had all my emu rocks. You know, I was like, oh, at home. So what happened? Why didn't you? Why aren't you in Charleston right now? So one night, a friend of mine calls me over to his house. He goes, "Hey, Ba, come over, Hawaiian uh, senior master sergeant. Come on over, and let's uh, watch some some, uh, some videos." He just came back from Hawaii. So I go, "Sure." So my wife and I go over. Uh, and we're having poo-poos and drinking beer, and he shows the Merry Monarch. I go, wow. And I started getting emotional. And I said to my wife, tomorrow morning, I'm putting in my retirement papers. And she goes, what? Where are we going? I go, we're moving back to Hawaii. And she goes, really? Yeah. She goes, what about our house? Uh, well, we'll sell it. We'll leave it for the sun. Just like that? Just like that. And it was the call of your, the Hawaiian culture? Yeah. Which you had not really repressed, but you'd lived it, but you, yeah. you also didn't really seek to immerse yeah. yourself in it. It was Eddie Kamai, and he was playing, you know, cowboy songs and all that. I go, wow, I really got choked up. So, so it was two films, Barry Monarch and Eddie Kamai? Eddie Kamai, yeah. I and later on, I told Eddie Kamai, I was, you know, you're responsible for bringing me home when we had a chance meeting over in uh, Maui at a festival. Inspired to reconnect with his Hawaiian roots, Francis Polani Sinensi retired from the Air Force, packed up and shipped out to Hawaii from South Carolina. And you knew where you would come when you got home? You would go to Hana? Well, actually, I didn't go to Hana. I, I just wanted to come home, you know. And so I came home and... Uh, First thing my, my brother-in-law says, hey, you know what? We need a Hawaiian studies, oh, no, a kupuna at the school. We, 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 they were lacking uh, teachers and stuff. I goes, what's a kupuna? <laughs> you know, I, all my Hawaiian stuff was all left back in the old days. So he goes, a kupuna, you know, a teacher, an elder. I goes, oh, okay. So I goes, oh, I don't know anything about kupuna. So I said, well, you know what, go and uh, interview with um, our principal, Dan Yonata. I said, okay. So I show up, and I was, I considered myself old at that time. I was, I was 48 years old, you know. <laughs> I was 48 years old because in the military, when you're 48, you're an old man. You really are. They make you feel like an old man. So I was, I was doing backflips, and they called me an old man. So anyway, I went and interviewed 
And uh, she goes, she just you from Hana? I goes, yeah. She goes, can you speak Hawaiian? I goes, I can understand. You know, I was brought up on a tutu lady. And yeah, I can, a little bit. She goes, no problem. She says, here's what you got to do. We're going to hire you. Put all the classes I need to take. So I had like two Olelo classes and, a, and an ukulele uh, class. He goes, can you sing, play ukulele? I goes, sure. You know, what local boy doesn't know how to play ukulele? So I go, I get these three things. Now I got to go in raw. So immediately, she hired me immediately. And so I had to report to work on Tuesday. So um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, I was in school. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday days, I was teaching. So I was going to Olelo classes. By the time uh, Friday came, I just said, I got to get out of here. Honolulu, of course, I was living here. And uh, I used to just jump on my truck and go to the airport and fly to Hana and just go fishing, just forget everything. Sunday night, fly back here, same thing, teach. I was working like 12 to 16 hours a day, retired Air Force. Yeah, your, your wife told me you don't have a lazy bone in your body. You're always yeah. doing something. It's weird. I just... You just keep I, going. I just don't want to waste time because tomorrow is not guaranteed. That's the way I look at it. Francis Polani Sinensi kept himself busy reconnecting with his Hawaiian heritage, practicing taro cultivation, and working as a kupuna, or Hawaiian cultural elder, at Helemano Elementary School in Wahiwa, central Oahu. One day in 1994, he received a request from a fellow kupuna that would shape the rest of his life. So one day, one of my uh, kupuna, his Uncle Francis, we always call each other auntie and uncle in front of the kids so as a sign of respect she, and I, I don't know if she's older or younger than me but she goes Uncle Polani why don't you build us a holly and I goes what's that she goes a holly and I, was, I grew up in holly ow ow this bathroom holly pau pilikia holly umu and these kind of hollies not a sleeping holly she goes Holly Peely, then Peely. I go, oh, Peely, like Peely grass? She goes, yeah. So I said, you mean a grass shack, don't you? She goes, yeah, it's a holly, not a grass shack. Because when I was growing up, a holly was a grass shack. I want to go back to my little grass shack. Everything was grass shack. So I goes, I don't, I don't know anything about building a holly. She goes, well, we're going to send you down to Waimea Falls Park, and you're going to see Uncle Rudy, and he's going to teach you how to build a holly. So I go, Okay. So I go down to Waimea Falls Park and I meet Uncle Rudy. He's back there by his, all his archaeological stuff in the back. And he's smoking a pipe. Well, so he introduced me. He goes, oh, yeah. You, oh, you want to build a holly? Yeah, boy. So he was 48 years old. You want to build a holly, boy? Because he was about 60. <laughs> I go, yes, yes, sir. So he brings out this pad and he starts drawing the, uh, the posts, the tenons and all you know, how to connect the holly. I goes, wait a minute. I know how to do that. And he goes, really? I goes, yeah. He goes, why are you here? I goes, no, no. I, when I was in the sixth grade, that was my homework. Our, our teacher, Mrs. Nowney, said, you guys go to the library and go find something Hawaiian and uh, come back and do a show and tell, you know, story. 
you got to write up about it. you got to draw the pictures. So that's what I did. Everybody did, like Lama Lama, Torch, uh, all the other things, you know. Uh, I chose Holly Building. So he goes, he writes down all these things that I need to do. You go to Bishop Museum, you look, you go read this book, this book, this book. And then, so I went to Bishop Museum, looked at the holly there, they let me go inside. And uh, I, got, I got Russ Apple's book, um, Dr. Russ Apple, and uh, I read through it. I goes, oh yeah, it's you know, easy. So I went out and gathered the wood. And I built a little holly, about a six-foot six holly, for a project that I was working uh, at, at one of the schools, Helamana School. And um, when I built it, I invited him to come up to come for the christening or blessing of Okikapiko. And he come up, he come up, he goes, wow, boy, you get him. No. If you like become a master, you got to build one 20 by 40. I said, Uncle Rudy, I'll never be a master. This is too much work. He mentioned that you need to go back to Hana and go build, build a kauhali at the Hana Culture Center. And a, what's a kauhali? It's a... It's, it's a group of different type of houses or, or a village, like a, a small village. He wanted you to build a small village? Yeah. So... I, um, I go to Hana and I see Miss um, Koila Eid, who was my, kind of my mentor too. She's there and she goes, yeah, we need a Kahali. So he goes, you know how to build, you know, I'm from Hana. He goes, you know how to build a Holly? We don't know that you can build a Holly. So I had to go out and gather more wood and build a, a live, I mean, a, a small table model using uh, dental floss for the lashing in cement and rocks and built a holly for them. And uh, I presented at the meeting and they said, okay, you're hired. So I started my career right there. And were you, were you loving the process by that point? Doing that one, the first one, and then making the model, uh, you know, everything sinks in and you, mm-hmm. you get some muscle memory. and So many different things. You get oh, the rocks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so, you know, it looks simple, but it's not. <sighs> I mean, for me, it became natural because I worked with cords and stuff. When after I finished the Kauhali, I was like, everybody's going, every, everybody in Hana was like jumping in and helping out. In fact, one of the, one of the hollies that I built, we didn't have peely grass, so I had to use the alternative uh, thatching materials, which was lolu palm, palm leaves, lolu, and tea leaves. And it, that one holly took about almost half a million tea leaves to thatch. In cl- totally enclosed sleeping holly. So I had the whole community out there gathering dried tea leaves and um, putting them in bundles and then we lashed it all on and that catapulted me to a holly builder, master holly builder. Uh, in fact, when I called Russ Apple, he was still alive, and I said, Russ, how do you become a master builder? And he's been tracking, he, he's been tracking me. He goes, you're a master. I go, no way. I got to build a 20 by 40 before I proclaim myself a master. And the first 20 by 40 I built, my wife and I, in strong wind, started to build it. Where was that? In Hana, at the place where we're at right now. So I built my first 20 by 40 with my wife's help. And, and, she and was, it's your holly. Yeah. 
So as we were building, the wind was blowing. It was starting to rain. And we'd build these A-frames and stand it up like this. And my wife was holding it in the wind. I goes, don't you let that thing fall. Oh, she didn't. And we, we built the house. <laughs> do, you, do you marvel when you put those together about, you know, how you do it? I mean, how, you know, how durable it is? I'm in awe every time I build well, And what are some of the things that impress you about the building? How they can set up to the weather and how ingenious and simple yet ingenious how those fittings uh, come together. And I mean, and I, I firmly believe, you know these easy corner tents that you see pop up, you know, people mm-hmm. putting together? It's almost exactly like yeah. a holly. The, the framing and everything is the frame of a holly. If I were to be there to watch you do the work, what would I be surprised to, to see? What, what, what's, what's some of the most interesting parts of the job? You would probably be amazed at how many people we can hold on the Olokea, which is the scaffolding system. By the way, you cannot build a holly without... I mean, many have tried, and I've, I've got reports back, where they use modern uh, metal scaffolding. But an Olokea has to conform. Or a traditional holly building Olokea is actually building a holly, then another holly over it. Because the scaffolding system has to be, um, has to be commensurate to the size of the holly. So, and the workers. So it's got to be kind of like ergonomic. Yeah. So it's got to fit the guys and people too. So first so. you build the scaffolding. Yes. No, first you build the foundation. Then you build the scaffolding after the posts and mm-hmm. so on. Yeah. To build the roof part. And what do other people use your holly for? Uh, mostly for gathering places like most of the hollies that I build are, are called holly halabai, which means, you know, meeting place. And uh, gathering and some just for show. Over the last 20 years, Francis Polani Sinensi has tirelessly built various types of hale across Hawaiian cultural sites, schools, private residences, Haleakala National Park on Maui, and even on the U.S. mainland and in China. The title that I have as a as a Kahuna Kuhi Kuhi Puoni suggests that I'm a uh, an architect. The word kuhi kuhi pu'u oni suggests that, in breaking down the word kuhi kuhi pu'u oni, was to show how to build on a pile of sand. So now we have architects who use blueprints. Back in the old days, they used a pile of sand. Like if, if a kahuna is going to demonstrate how to build a heiau, he would go like this, he would say, okay, get the sand, and then stack all the rocks, stack all the wood. And I did, though, I, I, I actually did one, uh, demonstrated how to build a holly on a, on a pile of sand. So um, kuhi kuhi means to show or direct or envision. Pu'u, a pile, a pu'u, one, sand. So that became, uh, someplace I read, over in the Big Island, that became the title for the royal architect, Kui Kui Puoni. And uh, at one point, I was like, some, somebody said, you are Kui Kui Puoni? I goes, oh, I didn't get that title. Somebody else gave me that title. I didn't put it on myself. I'd met more people building hollies than people do, uh, except if you're a concierge. Of course, you meet a lot of people. <laughs> I, got, I, I have people from all walks of life that... Walk away with something. You gotta either just making a shaka or understanding the Hawaiian culture. 
or just uh, coming to find out that, hey, I appreciate my job more than building Holly. You know, it, it, either positively or negatively, it impacts everybody. Well, you bring people together to build it, yeah. and, then, and then it becomes a, a, a yeah. gathering place forever yeah. after. I've had people get married, met at these Holly gatherings, and they divorced and came back again. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, this is the halavai, the word uh, for meeting is, is, is really a, a truism. Uh, hale halavai. You meet, you, you gather, you eat, or you. And most of my halas are used for, for painas. How many hale have you built now? I was. I kind of. It's over 300. This takes tremendous. Um energy and strength and, and you're doing this and now you're six you're 76 now it takes a village to build a holly literally so are you doing mostly the overseeing now because you were in your 70s and you're doing main work overseeing i wish that was so yesterday that was <laughs> you're up, you're up there doing but it I, I mean keeps the blood flowing you know keeps the energy going in 2018, Francis Polani Sinensi was featured in Kahale, a Revival, a short film about his efforts to preserve the traditional practice of Holly building. The film received a People's Choice Award in the American Institute of Architects Film Challenge. Working with his hands and showing no signs of slowing down, Uncle Polani also is rebuilding structures from Hawaii's past. In addition to restoring a native Hawaiian fish pond in Hana, He's now turning his attention to recreating plantation-era Portuguese stone ovens. Mahalo to Francis Polani Sinensi of Hana Maui. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Long Story Short on PBS Hawaii. I'm Leslie Wilcox. Aloha nui. For audio and written transcripts of all episodes of Long Story Short with Leslie Wilcox, visit pbshawaii.org. To download free podcasts of Long Story Short with Leslie Wilcox, go to the Apple iTunes Store or visit pbshawaii.org. So I, I, I devised this shaka, and uh, it's, it's just uh, you coil it up, you pre-cut all the um, the lashing. Like if I say, "Hey, throw me a number three shaka," there we and, go. And what's a shaka? This is called a shaka, a coiled piece of. Okay, this is how we test it. See if you did it right. So you're supposed to throw. Did it come out? Oh yeah. See, it's no knots. No knots.